Hello, Matthew Gibb. How are you doing? Not bad, David. How's yourself? Not bad at all. Thanks. Not bad. Uh, thanks again for coming on to the show. Um, how are you? How have you been? Yeah. No. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Um, I'm great. Just kind of taking some uh, time to recuperate after a few night shifts, and uh, yeah, just chilling out, um, doing some uni work and all that. Uh, so it's mm. a pretty, pretty simple existence. How about yourself? It never ends. Yeah. Okay, so um, first off, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how you got into music and um, all that kind of script. Okay, um, do you want me to just start from the beginning, go all the way back? Go for it, absolutely. Okay. Um, so in the beginning, no, I'm kidding on it. Um, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I grew up in Glasgow and I was kind of really taught to appreciate older music by my granddad who... Okay. had this uh this old red car that had a cassette player in it and he'd, he'd stick this little j- just a little square of something what that's what i saw it as which was a cassette, yeah. obviously but he just he put that in and the whole car would seem to come to life with music and that seemed to just um really fascinate me um and i'd be listening mm. to like elton john and george michael and mm. I, it just made me kind of want to want to do something like that with my life Um i didn't really pick up the guitar for another few years after that but um I got learning and I just, I have such an enjoyment for playing in front of people. Um, it's probably one of my favorite things in life to do. Um, sad I'm not able to at the moment, but uh, yeah, I, I got yeah. into busking when I was 14 um, mm-hmm. and uh, things just seem to kind of take off from there. Like different opportunities seem to present themselves um, kind of every corner and uh yeah, I'm, I'm here today. I was um, lucky to choose to study music and uh, ended up uh, going to UWS. And uh, yeah. Fantastic. Okay. And um, where would you say your career is at the moment? I'd say I'm at a point where I know where I stand uh, mm-hmm. in my musical style and my like identity as a performer. Yes. And um, I know that uh, there's an opportunity for me to progress um, and I'll um, hopefully just get back to the gigging and just be working um, pretty hard to get yeah. some new music out uh, once things start to uh, resume some semblance of normality. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait for that. Neither, man. What was the last gig you played? The last gig I played? Wow. Um I mean, I played an online gig uh, last week. Oh, yeah. I played uh, played for the Euro gig session, um, mm-hmm. and that was the, that was quite something because they got people to unmute and clap, which is just such a, a simple thing. <laughs> but to hear people applauding is something I've not really properly heard in like a year. I went busking yeah. uh, when things relaxed during the summer as well, and uh, mm-hmm. but I think the last proper gig I played, do you know what? I, I, so long ago that I can't even remember. Um, yeah, I was trying to wrap my brains to think as well when was the last time I even never mind went played one, but even went to one or or was like in the vicinity of one. It's a, it's a strange feeling. I know what you mean about the applause thing. Um, I was tuned into that Eurogig performance as well as well. It was really weird hearing applause like that. It was it was nice though, very nice. Mm-hmm. Pretty soothing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, yeah, in terms of busking, then um, what's uh, What's your favourite spot in Glasgow? Ah, um, I'd say 
there's a spot right outside TGI Fridays on Buchanan mm-hmm. Street, and um, it just it really makes my day just to be able to grab that spot. There'd be points during the summer last year where I'd be going out at like five, six in the morning in order to grab mm-hmm. this exact pitch. Wow. Just because mm-hmm. I wanted it, I wanted to be there the whole day, and I just wanted to, um, and I, I just feel the architecture that's around about mm-hmm. you really just brightens up your your mindset and makes you want to, yeah. uh, stay out that little bit longer, and um, just because it's it's a good landscape to look at, you know. Um, so I'd say there, um, and yeah, but there's there's so many places you can busk and go. Let's go just up and down. Every fifty meters is a busking spot. Um, and yeah. it's free game, so it's a lovely, lovely scene. Yeah, that's another thing I was going to ask you actually is, um, how do you do you just like you say go in the morning and out the first come first serve, or is there some kind of community, or do you like speak to each other and and kind of divvy up the spots, or? Yeah, we do speak to each other. Um, people, mm-hmm. uh, we we have this group chat where we all chat together. Um, okay, but it is first come first serve, so it's like friendly competitiveness if you know what i mean so like yeah that, that's are, quite good though it's nice yeah 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 so, so you're kind of like competing with people but you're still friends with them um yeah and like that's cool sometimes there'd be like buskers who come in and it's like a proper western movie people come in from another town and they'll be like like <laughs> you, you can just hear like the the tumbleweeds like whistling by when you're like walking up the street at like four in the morning and you just see there's like a van parked there and somebody's like Hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I've stole your spot today, and then you're like, "Oh, okay, that's happening." Did not prepare for that, and it's like, <laughs> "Oh, you, you could write a western movie about that." Buchanan Street ain't big enough for the two of us. <laughs> Something like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so yeah, I was gonna say I actually saw um a great, great video of you uh, at that particular spot. Um, just I think it's the corner of Garden Street, isn't it? At TGI Fridays. Yeah, and, that, that's um, the one. It's absolutely hammering it down with rain, and you're singing "Why Does It Always Rain on Me." I thought that was amazing. Um, yeah, I paid the as, price for as, that. Yeah, um, I was going to say, as much as I got the fear for your guitar and your equipment, I, I thought um, that was that was a great thing to see. I had to I had to take the pickup out of my guitar and put it in a bowl of rice. <laughs> um, it was it was pretty pretty bad, and then there'd be points where I'd like oh. plug it in and it'd be buzzing whenever I turned it towards the oh, lights. No. And I was like, mm, that's that's not meant to happen. But um, yeah, it started pouring down. I was busking with a guy that um, I was good pals with uh, called Jordan Rawson. And he'd just come mm. up from London. And it was, right. again, that sort of first come, first serve thing. You tend yeah. to share the pitch with people so that you can get a break every hour. Um, sure, okay. And I hadn't planned on sharing with anybody that day. And I was going to go in and grab that pitch and just play the whole day myself. And I went there and he'd been there since like two in the morning just because he wanted it and i walked straight by him and i didn't know it was him and he phone called me like when i was halfway up the street and says do you want to come back and share the spot for today and i was like yeah sure um but it started pouring down and he had this massive umbrella which you can probably see in the video and he uh he put it up and he pulled all his stuff away from me and i was like huh you're gonna do that i'm gonna keep playing yeah sure sure um (laughs) so i thought of the most apt song for the the weather because i was wearing like a t-shirt yeah. and jeans i was absolutely frozen to the i know i saw that as well you must be frozen yeah um i was like pure shivering afterwards like i i felt like i'd gone through some trauma or something um <laughs> which I, I probably had but um yeah so i hit out with that song and then everybody's like standing under the trees going woo and i'm like oh, thanks <laughs> hey, i tell Keep you what it's man. worth it for that video 
yeah um you know it's, it's one of those things if you just want to play in the rain then you can you can do it just pay the price afterwards absolutely absolutely um so yeah do you have any other or favorite stories or funny things you've seen or experienced while busking um uh, glasgow's such a vibrant city uh you yeah. get things that happen every day here that wouldn't happen in just other places like yeah, even anywhere <laughs> even like kind of like grannies that just kind of walk and they're like, oh, you have a very good son, and then just start like boogieing in the middle of the street, and you're like, go on, <laughs> like that. That's that. That's really like just just it's it's full of so many personalities, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, People I truly make Glasgow. Exactly, yeah. Um, and whoever came up with that definitely deserves a, a pay rise. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, had a pal um, make a little bit of an improvement on it once. He said, "People make Glasgow interesting." <laughs> That's I thought brilliant. that was perfect. That was, I thought he needed to be hired by the council, to be honest. Just put put that in as the CV, just like on one piece of paper, <laughs> just like in clip art. That would get you hired. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely. All right, um, right. So moving on from busking a little bit, um, I also saw when I was um, doing a bit of digging there that you played live on Radio One, which I thought was very, very impressive. Um, and um, I've never really spoke to anyone that's been on such a big radio station, a national radio like that. Um, so I'm just wondering how you found that. What was your experiences? Um, did you enjoy it? Um, and how did it come about? Um. Well, again, that's one of those kind of opportunities that just seemed to like thrust itself into my hands. Mm. I didn't even okay. know that it was uh, it was going on. I just I was busking when I was about fourteen, fifteen. It was the big okay. big weekend. Uh, oh, of course, twenty fifteen, and it was in Glasgow, and they were just setting up for the DJ set, which was in George Square. And uh, mm-hmm. I saw this guy just like standing in an alcove, looking at me, and I'm like, "What's going on here?" Um, and then my dad, my dad was like standing watching me, and he then okay. walked up to my dad and then pointed towards me, and I'm like, "Okay, right, what's going on?" Um, and turned out he was a producer for uh the Matt Edmondson show on uh BBC wow. One, and or oh, sorry BBC Radio One, and um he said, "All right, I'd like to get him on the radio tomorrow," and my dad was kind of like, <laughs> "Cool, yeah, 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 like cool story, <laughs> nice one, yeah." Um, <laughs> And uh, no, he was he was totally legitimate, and uh, that's amazing. I, I found a car turned up at the turned turned up at my door the next morning, and then um, ended up in the studios playing some tunes, and they hooked us up with the VIP tickets for the the big weekend as well, which was uh, pretty cool. Got to go and like just that mingle is, in with yeah. the crowds of like Jake Bug and uh, One Direction were there. Um, no way that's some experience man i mean i was like 15 years old and i was trying to be cool so one direction weren't the people i always wanted to (laughs) nowadays i'd love to chat to them like seem like a great bunch Mm. of guys Hmm. yeah i heard um harry styles new album i think it was last year that you brought it out yeah uh, i tell you what i really enjoyed it yeah watermelon sugar is some like i i I, I don't dislike a single shit in that album and i think yeah, uh, that guy's done really well to just like changes his sound to tailor like just to make himself like more relevant in today's age, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's what I liked about it. It it was it was him. You could tell it was him. Mm, it's a bit like what Taylor Swift's doing at the moment. 
Sorry? It's a bit like what uh, Taylor Swift is doing at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She's um, blazing a trail right now. Mm-hmm. It's pretty it's, cool. Uh, it's very nice to see an artist to be able to take back some of that control that um, is all too often just ripped away, um, often unexpectedly. I bet, hey, that's the game. Yeah, yeah, that's the game indeed. Wild Absolutely. tangent. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. No, so um, thanks for that. Uh, moving on, um, there's something, this is a bit of an eye roller for everyone, um, but it's a big part of all of our lives. So I think it's worth talking a little bit about um, the coronavirus crisis and how it's affected you as a musician. I don't want to focus too much on facts and figures and how it's affecting the industry because um, nobody really knows at the moment. But um, what I would like to um, talk to you about is uh, a paper that I found. It's probably one of the first ones uh, in the UK, at least, talking about how uh, the coronavirus crisis has affected the music industries. And he put it really well, this guy Ian Taylor from uh, Birmingham City University. He said that the UK music industry is facing a crisis of spatial materiality. So basically what he's saying is um, that our experiences of music are fundamentally dependent on the spaces in which we listen to music. So, for example, a rehearsal room is going to feel a lot different to an arena performance, even though the band sounds pretty much the same. Um, And I think that kind of ties in with buskers as well. Um, You know, out on the street and the strangers and people are dancing together that probably never would have met otherwise. Um, That space really does have an effect on your experience of music. And um, I was just wondering, you know, as a busker, do you agree with that? And um, is there anything you can say about that? How you feel about that? 100%. um, I totally agree with that. I think um, knowing where you are spatially, is is a big thing and being out in the street is a totally different ball game to playing in a pub and playing in a pub is a totally different ball game to playing in say king tuts or the classic Mm -hmm. grand or whatever um it's like it's hard to describe like busking is playing to like a passive audience people are walking by you know um Mm -hmm. and again like uh just talking about audience dynamics but like a zoom gig as well through like mm-hmm. b- because covid's basically inhibited everything like zoom gigs and facebook live streams seem to be the way to go and that right. is a real limit on how you can really convey yourself because if i was playing in a venue like you're looking people in the eye there's so much more social sure. contact in terms of a concert um whereas it just seems to be lost like the entire uh covid situation is basically cost me my, my full-time job um which was mm. playing gigs like i would um i play gigs on the weekend i'd do uni course, during the week yeah, yeah. and uh fit social time around that but um that was uh that was a big thing in march um i was uh yeah yeah just, just it's a deflating one but um i managed to kind of eventually get myself back on my feet and I uh, found myself a job working as a, a delivery driver um, and it's just like a stopgap you know I'm just I'm waiting very anxiously for that uh, that moment when things kind of start to get back to normal um, but yeah the whole COVID crisis that's it, very about uh, that whole spatial spatial materiality is that what you said? 
yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely and um yeah like you're not you're not filling the same space now as you were a year ago mm-hmm. um and i really hope that that changes very soon um yeah and i think we're all holding our breath for that um one of my my yeah. flatmate is actually a sound engineer as well and he's in the same boat oh, as right. me um he's uh yeah, he's mm-hmm. sorry sorry continue no continue on no um he's a like he would normally be uh, sound engineering in places like St. Luke's, and he used to own his his own rehearsal mm-hmm. studio. And uh, yeah, he's found himself working in student halls. So it's a uh, right. it's it's a challenge for us all. And I think as industry professionals, we just have to really kind of sit and bide our time. Um, Certainly, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I just I hope that one day I can occupy the same space that I did as an artist um, mm-hmm. a year ago. You know. Yeah, me too, man. I think as well, um, because of the nature of of the health crisis, it's very spatial as well in terms of people are now a lot more conscious of how close they're getting to people and uh, who's around them and what's going on. Um, So I think obviously with live music, that's a huge, huge sort of barrier to creating genuine interaction and musical experience um, without that sort of underlying stress that people seem to be feeling at the moment or people quite rightly are feeling at the moment um so i think you know the sooner we can um sort of begin to move away from that um i think the music industry will probably see a massive boom um let's hope so anyway yeah um it's i mean it's like anything you know if you're in the habit of doing something you're in the habit of staying away from people um Mm -hmm. when you go to a concert you're all obviously going to be cautious of that but if you know that there's really sure. nothing to fear then over time things will start to get back to, I, I can honestly see the live music sector probably being the biggest growing sector as it was before um mm-hmm. covid uh kicked off um in the uk I, it'll yeah. happen again you know like it's it's just Absolutely. a matter of time really yeah i, I totally agree and um I admire your positivity because that's exactly how I feel as well. Oh, cheers, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving on again, um, so again, this is another kind of eye-roller subject, but um, the topic of Brexit and the Brexit trade deal and um, this idea that uh, musicians or artists or anyone in the sort of creative industries are going to have to... Um, pay extra or go through all loads of bureaucratic processes paperwork and payments and visas and stuff to be able to move freely in europe and to practice their creative trades in european countries um it was back uh, last year in february i think that uh, pretty patel the home secretary had said uh, that there's still going to be freedom of movement it might be a slightly different system like a points-based system or something but it's not at risk and then this year it's people are now saying, well, that's totally out the window and you're going to have to pay extra money and sign extra paperwork. Um, but it's worth noting that the government has kind of pushed back on that and said, well, we didn't reject that. It was the EU that rejected that. Um, and I just wondered, it's all speculation whether it's ever going to come to fruition or not at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not dwelling on that too much, but just wondered how you felt or how you would feel um, if you had to sort of jump through those extra hoops to um, 
get across into Europe and uh, to perform. I, I honestly feel it's it's very unfair. Um, as I said yeah. earlier on, like before COVID, um, mm-hmm. the music industry was the biggest growing sector in the UK. Um, and I feel that that is a key export. You know, you want UK artists touring, um, no matter whether it impacts mm-hmm. any trade deals or whatever. So I think the government yeah. not being extreme pushers for that is, um, mm. is quite worrying because they just need to know that like if they want to push the UK music industry and they want to like make it succeed, then they have to assist with just exporting it, you know, getting it across the world, mm-hmm. getting people out there, getting um, and just making people jump through extra hoops. It's going to be off-putting for like people at the grassroots level like myself. Um, it's just, it's an extra faff. It's extra money that you probably won't have and yeah. especially during the current economic state, like you're, you're not going to have an extra couple of hundred quid just to spend on a visa, you know. I'm not too yeah, sure how these things cost because I'm not really well versed on that. But uh, yeah, like you'd have to get a work permit and it's just, yeah. it's not fair. It was, um, where is it? Sorry, let me just grab this uh, article here. Yeah, it says um, we were talking about uh, permitted paid engagement a visa it's called and um basically you among other things have to provide some kind of um evidence that you're like an active sort of artist um you can provide like press cuttings and stuff like that which is you know not too much of a problem for a huge artist but for someone who's just starting out they're not going to be in all the media and stuff like that that's the whole point you know it's um like you say at the grassroots level it's um kind of just creating this bottleneck where if you've got the money then you can go into it and if you don't then good luck yeah um you're just giving me a good business idea i'm thinking about already starting business (laughs) um just writing stellar reviews for artists that want to get into the eu on a work work permit basis you know that's a really good idea that's such a good idea isn't it and then you just like write them like a five-star like herald level review and just say oh their their debut single was one of the (laughs) the best singles ever and it should be nominated for the nobel prize and these guys aren't gonna know different you know (laughs) you know what count me in man count me in uh yeah we can talk about that actually that's a great idea yeah yeah we'll we'll talk we'll talk we'll we'll discuss the we'll discuss the details (laughs) let's do it yeah because um i was i was listening to it um and i thought I was like, maybe I can find um, some kind of opinion piece from some kind of musician or something that was kind of okay with it. And it's just, it's just nobody that's really, really liking this at all. Um, like the music manager forum, um, Annabella Coldrick from from that um, company, she called it utter insanity. And uh, <laughs> the musicians' union, um, I think he was the chief executive, um, Horace Truebridge. Uh, said it was nigh on unbelievable that this was allowed to go through. Um, I think that really speaks um, to how just musicians in general are feeling about that. that deal. Totally. Um, and also, I just I feel during this whole crisis, personally, mm-hmm. I haven't had as much support from the UK government as somebody who being full time employment was. Um, I'm a I'm in full time education myself, so. The only thing I was really eligible for in the first place was a musician's, no, it was a help musician's grant of like five hundred pounds, okay. and that and that was given to me in right. March, and that was supposed to see me up until today. So, That's it's insane. um, 
yeah, and nothing, nothing came from the government, um, because a full time study renders you ineligible for everything. And being a musician, mm-hmm. somebody who had worked full time in that, I found myself really kind of doubting what I was actually worth. Um, mm, yeah. and I think if you're <laughs> If you're gonna say that the UK has great music, uh, like in a political statement, you have to be able to like yeah. support it. Hmm. I think yeah, you've hit on a good point there as well because it seems to speak to uh, the apparent value that the political system places on the arts and uh, cultural um, exports and stuff like that. Um, like those posters that came out last year. Um, yeah, I was about to say. Showing like a ballerina who's like, um, I can't remember the names. Fatima's like, next, next job them. could be in cyber, but she just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. She she could be in IT, but she just doesn't know it yet. I was thinking how, like, <laughs> I thought like, it just it just speaks volumes about um, how at least politicians and governmental agents um, mm-hmm. perceive artists and musicians and anyone in the creative industries um, yeah i, I just I in reality think... um sorry carry on yeah oh no no sorry uh yeah i'm just gonna say um yeah the reality. When really reality is that um the arts have helped everyone through this crisis um it's pretty much been one of the only things that we've got is music and film and entertainment and without that there'd have probably be a lot more problems for people um Big spe- especially throughout lockdowns and uh, I, I just i totally believe that like people like all the, the people that work in the arts are kind of seeing that these these posters even just the fact that they're trying to get us to move on um is is ludicrous like i've got mates that are making memes of these um mm-hmm. i'm actually just gonna pull one of them up uh just for just for talking sake my mate james um who played bass in my latest single uh, wrote up one and there's a picture of him playing bass for a band um, James's next job could be stripping no one wants to see that <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah it's, it's ludicrous it's ludicrous and I changed them um, so there was a, a thing on Facebook where like you could change your profile picture to like support the arts or something like that um, okay. and I, I did one of those like we temporary profile picture things I, hashtag we are viable that's what it is and um, nice. yeah. and uh, a guy who I used to go to school with who ran for the Brexit party um, commented, right. commented on it saying musicians at this moment in time are not viable it's not good but it's the reality and I just found that very harsh Whoa. you know that you is know? very harsh um, and then I replied with a little photo of um, of a, a German professor who said uh, you'd be hard pressed to find someone more skilled or more viable than a pro musician and went on to just detail everything and then he says absolutely don't deny the pure talent and gift that musicians have but ta- talent and skill isn't the same as viability and oh, I just thought I, th- I thought come on man like um, nice. yeah and it mm. it makes you lose a lot of respect for somebody who basically just seems to undervalue yeah. what you can bring to the, the modern day world you know Definitely, and it's like they're saying this as if they've like never listened to music, yeah. <laughs> or appreciated art, or um, you know, had some kind of personal enrichment um, from art. Like I say, not to mention um, how much we've all been relying on entertainment, uh, especially recently. Mm-hmm. Keeps you sane, man. Uh, and I, I yeah, don't think absolutely. I don't think there's a single person in the world who 
hasn't actively gone and listened to music for some reason or another. So yeah, I think to to say that that is unviable, no matter how um how easy it is for them to do their job in the current climate, just to say that they had to go and do something else because they yeah. they're not needed anymore is um it's a very uh rash and very kind of aggressive way to mm-hmm. act, and I just I feel it's very yeah. agenda based. You know, I feel like I feel like they want us to stop that because it's oh, I don't know, I don't know, I am. Um, it just, just to turn around and just renounce all your real support for and a sector that was booming um, in the UK, yeah. and like it was seeing like independent venues starting to prosper again when there was like a real period of uncertainty. Like King yeah. Tut's was facing closure a few years ago, and uh, then they weren't at the start of twenty twenty. And as soon as everything kind of goes back, like, like oh, I just. Yeah, it's frustrating. So it's frustrating to to see that the people that are meant to be representing you don't have your back. Yeah, absolutely. I know how you feel. V- getting very political. Um, I didn't expect to get political, but yeah, you know. it is it is indeed. I think um, yeah, it's it's definitely worth talking about. Um, but like you say, um, let's not get too political about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So uh, finally, moving on, um, this section isn't quite locked down in terms of uh, format, but I was planning to talk about just personal musical history, things that you like about the music of a certain period, and um, I do believe you want to talk about the sort of uh, early to yeah. late 2000s. Um, um, I, I think that period, um, it's a very few years and it's a very kind of finite period of time, but um, I feel that's had a really good influence on me as a person um and especially because some of the okay. bands and some of the albums that have been introduced at that time i didn't really discover until i was kind of in my early teens um but at the time it was it was radical okay. stuff you know you had um you had justin vernon who uh went on went on to create bon Iver okay and um he basically like found himself recording an album after breaking up with his band, breaking up with his girlfriend and getting mononucleosis and he yeah. was um, sitting in his dad's hunting cabin and he recorded an album with one microphone and uh, I think like a whole, well. in the essence of like a folk revival, if you're talking about like uh, Dylan in the 1960s with the Newport uh, Folk Festival and stuff like that, you could call that a kind of mini yeah. revival in a sense but um, um it was just the sure, the ability sure. of like one person to be able to sell millions of records. I think that was the entire ideology back in the sixties, and it's good to see that kind of replicated. Um, and you saw people like Mumford and Sons and the Lumineers really reach big heights with their their music. Um, and it's yeah, yeah, they they're yeah, absolutely massive. They're still massive. Mumford and Sons are kind of doing the 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 good yeah. thing and reinventing themselves as they go but I don't think anybody's really, well mm-hmm. not anybody I don't think as many people are tuning in just because there's no banjo it's a, it's a yeah, um, yeah definitely. <laughs> a divisive topic you know, like people hated the banjo, people loved the banjo but um, as soon as they got rid of it it kind of took away both sides of the argument, you know um, yeah, I tell you oh, what I'm a huge fan a of banjo, banjo. um and also the guy definitely not that, definitely not 
sorry. The, um, the guy that plays Banjo and Mumford and the Sons looks a lot like That's Jack okay. Whitehall, and I can't really get past that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a good. I look, mean, it's man. not a bad look. But he's, he's, he's grown his hair out. He actually used to have the Jack Whitehall <laughs> hair, and that's that's what really made me kind of go, "Ooh." But, uh, oh right. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and yeah, just to go back to what you were saying about Bonnie Bear there. What is mononucleosis? Uh, it was. Um, oh, you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, I, I believe it was. Oh, no, sorry. Um, <laughs> It's a type of hepatitis, it. apparently. But it's like mono. What is mononucleosis? Okay. Uh, basically, it's, oh, it's yeah. glandular fever. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, symptoms include extreme tiredness, swollen glands. Yeah, it sounds uh, sounds nasty. Whatever. Well, he it was, might um, be. Um, and I tell you what, that's a great reason yeah, to be writing I'm an album. Yeah, I was able to record that. Um, but the album had some. I had some great yeah. insight to it, you know. It was a it was a beautiful piece of kind of yeah. Uh, it's got the tracks in that album have the texture of like somebody like walking in a dark wood floor. It's that kind of dull thudding, you know. Um, all mm. the tracks they they, they yeah, seem a yeah. bit more what, yeah. on the the low end, and uh, it's just very interesting the fact that it recorded the whole thing with like one microphone. But um, there's tracks that really kind of sympathised with yeah, yeah. his existence at the time you know like he was um he was gambling away all his money um on online gambling sta- uh, sites and right. he wrote a song called regarding stacks or re stacks um it was about like uh right. his his dealings with us and he was like he put a line that's like i keep throwing down 200 at a time and he was like throwing like a couple hundred dollars here a couple hundred dollars there and um Ooh. then his money was gone and he was drunk as hell, which is what he also wrote in that song. But um, beautiful, beautiful Jeez. album. Um, yeah. Really <laughs> relatable um, from a personal point. Maybe not from the gambling yeah. side, because I've never really thrown down 200 at a time, but, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would yeah, have the money same. to do that. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, and what he went on to afterwards, winning a Grammy, um, also producing for Kanye West. Um, sure. It just shows that having something that is unique wow. um, in terms of like the modern day society and something that can really hit the charts uh, that takes like Justin Bieber out there, you know, um, like that, that's something that sure. could be really integrated. And he went on to great things producing for uh, Kanye West. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. And I think uh, you've hit on something really uh, interesting there as well about, um, what could be argued as his best music came from his worst time. And I think we all, as musicians or creative people, need a little bit of suffering in our lives to kind of push us to, to 100%. be somewhere better. And I think from that comes uh, some mm-hmm. really, really intimate music and some really, really yeah, nice, I, nice um, stuff. I've written some of my, in my humble opinion, uh, favorite songs um and the songs that i feel mm. tell the best stories about um some tough times in my life um and you know like a tough breakup sure. or something like that it really makes you want to put something down because sure. you're just th- things are kind of uh spilling over you know you feel like you just have to release something you know Basically, yeah it's like yeah. personal therapy isn't it it's, it's just um, for you um yeah 
definitely. Big time, man. It's an interesting thought. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, um, I think we're just about running out of time here. So if there's anything else uh, you want to say, and of course, um, if you want to let people know where they can find your music and um, where your socials are and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I can be found (laughs) on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Facebook and Twitter are... Uh, well, Facebook's Matthew Gibb, just fly out Matthew Gibb. Uh, Twitter is sure. at Matthew underscore Gibb, and Instagram is at underscore Matthew Gibb. Okay. You know, somebody keeps stealing all these different taglines, man. Okay. It's it's making my life a misery. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and you can check my music out on Spotify. My latest single, I'm the Reason, dropped in December last year, and uh, I think the BBC like it. So okay. you know you. Hopefully, hopefully you like it too. Nice um, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love it. I've heard Cheers it before, man. and I think it's a great um, song. Absolutely. But yeah, uh, that's really all I got to say. Fantastic. Well, I tell you what, Matthew, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, and uh, thanks again for coming on. And likewise, um, man. Thank take you very much yourself. for asking me. Have no a good problem one. at all. Anytime. Oh, cheers. <laughs> thanks, mate. Take care. Big thanks to Matthew Gibb for joining us again here on Streak Song Scotland. My name's David Walker. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Streak Song Scotland and it'll come right up. This is Matthew Gibb's latest single called I'm the Reason. Well, I don't know why, but I think that I can't stay away from you. But you're a deep brown eye and stay paralyzed. Can't stop getting lost in hell sometimes I love it when you smile I love it more when I'm the reason Your unique sense of style Doesn't change with every season Well, you came along to my hometown Pieces of a puzzle boots on the ground I couldn't seem to pass you by somehow And I just hope you know what you came here for And I hope it doesn't make you walk out the door Cause love's too big a word for this right now Doesn't change with every season 
sing more songs Telling me that I need to move on And I'm hoping that you don't listen to Cause every day and every night what's going by It's quite alright cause I don't know where I'd be without you And I love it when you smile 